Hallelujah. Listen to a couple of verses from the book of Philippians in chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we have been worshiping him. We have been praising him. We have been declaring with our voices that he is worthy to be praised. Uh, through our worship and praise, we have agreed with the scriptures that he has been given the name above every other name. He has been given the name that is worthy of all honor, all praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to encourage you tonight. You can go ahead and have a seat, guys. Uh, I want to encourage you tonight with this scripture because it applies not just to exhort you and I to worship and praise the Lord, but it reminds us that when we go to pray, we are praying to the one who is worthy of our prayers. We're praying to the one who has the name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, when we pray in Jesus' name, every knee will bow. Notice it's very clear. Every knee in heaven bows down. That means it acknowledges, it is humbled. It, it looks to God and says, you have all power, all authority. Every knee in heaven, every knee on earth, and every knee underneath the earth. Meaning every dark spiritual force. All must bow down. And acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as we lift up our voice, I'm going to ask in a moment, Pastor Evelyn, why don't you come and, and, and take a place? Right, we're going to uh, ask her to lead us in prayer tonight. I want to pray for the sick. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, we need to bring before the Lord our petitions. We need to bring before the Lord those who are sick. How many believe that God still heals today? The power of the, of the name of Jesus Christ, he has authority to heal every sickness. And we're not just talking tonight about COVID. We're talking about cancer. We're talking about high blood pressure. We're talking about diabetes and pneumonia. We're talking about depression. Every disease that can be named must bow down to the name of Jesus Christ. And so as we lift up our voice, let's believe that tonight in our spirit. Let's pray from that platform, from that foundation, that that sickness, whatever it might be, whatever sickness you have yourself, whatever sickness your loved one is dealing with, let's pray from that perspective, from that platform, from that foundation, that that sickness must bow down to the name of Jesus Christ. So let's agree with Pastor Evelyn as she prays. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can come to you with every single request, Lord, even those that we may think are impossible. 
Lord, that our loved one will never be free from diabetes, that they will never be free from cancer, that we can never be free of pain. Lord, you created us in our mother's wombs. You knit us together, every single fiber. There is not a piece of us that you do not understand. Much beyond what science has an understanding of, you know us intricately. Lord, every situation is different. Every situation is unique, but you know it just like you know the hairs that yes. are on our head. Yes. And so, Lord, we pray. Lord, we come to you humbly asking that you do what only you can do. Lord, that you speak healing over our bodies. Lord, that we may get up and walk. Lord, Hallelujah. that we may have faith and know that it is you that did the healing, dear Jesus. Lord, that any illness that we may face, Lord, that we don't face it alone. We face it with you. Yes. Lord, that you fight our battles for us even in the physical. Yes, Lord, I pray that you may move in a divine and supernatural way. Lord, I pray that you may begin to heal our bodies from within, Lord, that you will leave doctors stumped and in awe. Lord, yes, that results Lord. will come yes, back, Lord. Lord, with nothing to be seen, with nothing to be cured. Let science have nothing left to do because you did it all. Yes. Lord, you heal completely, Lord. We ask for complete healing. We ask for miracles today like you did in biblical times. Times. Lord, because you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, Lord, we trust that whatever we lay at your feet, if it be your will, Lord, you will change it. You will restore it. You will make it new, dear Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray that you will give us the faith to believe and to trust that you, the creator of the universe, who can make every knee bow, can definitely make any illness, Lord, just fall away. Lord, we pray, Lord, for the faith to believe that you can do what you say you do. Lord, and even in that, Lord, Lord, yes, will you Lord. give us wisdom? Lord, will you give us wisdom to walk, to allow you to do what only you can do where we don't get in the yes, way? Lord. Lord, if we have to follow a diet, we'll follow a diet to honor you, still Hallelujah. believing that you could heal us of whatever we face. Hallelujah. Lord, if we have to take medication, let us take it, believing that you can still heal us, that one day we will not need it. Yes. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, may you be yes. glorified, Lord, from COVID to cancer, to diabetes, to leukemia. Lord, we pray for the body of every Hallelujah. child, adult, and senior citizen. Lord, we pray that in this time where hope seems to be lost, Lord, where there is so much desperation, Lord, we pray for those miracles to be a testimony, Lord, of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your divine power, Lord, on yes, how Lord. everyone, whether they believe in you or not, Lord, may this yes, be a catalyst for them to see your hand moving. May they be in awe and lack this understanding to only think it wasn't me it's not science it must be God yes Lord you can you can speak to every illness dear Jesus and we believe it Lord we yes, believe Lord. and we trust that we will hear praise reports Lord of what you did dear Jesus of we may be able to go out in this hopeless time and share the hope of Jesus and see that a loving God who loves us more than anything we can understand that your love is greater than our disease just like your love is greater than our sin Lord, do what only you can do in your mighty and matchless name. Amen. I want to pray now and ask you to agree with us. Because as you know so well, during this year that we have been officially, today was marked the official year that we have been in the pandemic uh, and shut down. 
that so many lives have been impacted financially as well, whether because jobs have shut down, whole companies have closed, businesses are gone, and there's economic hardship. Now, I thank our government, and I thank them for the stimulus package and all of that, that that's kind of helped somewhat. But listen, the Bible teaches us that this earth is controlled by principalities and powers that rule in the heavenly realms. And we're naive to think that that ruling doesn't include finances. So we can pray tonight that that knee that controls finances in this world will bow down to the name of Jesus in that there would be a holy release of God's provision helping us to recover financially, recover from the hardship. Pastor Joey, would you please make your way? Uh, let's agree with Pastor Joey. I'm going to ask him to ask God to bless us, not just as family units with, the, with, with finances that can help us recover, but there are a lot of churches that are also hurting financially. There are missionaries that have been severely impacted because their support has dwindled or totally gone. And we want to believe God for restoration of, of finances so that the people of God can continue doing the work of God. Pastor Joey. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. And Father, we understand that sometimes, as weird as it sounds, it's easier to pray for cancer to go away. It's easier to pray for illnesses to dissipate than for it is to trust you with our finances. God, it's one of those areas in our lives that we're tempted to always take it into our own hands, to figure it out for ourselves, to not trust you to provide. And Lord, we're grateful for your provision because your provision doesn't always come the way you think we, it's supposed to come. Lord, your provision may come from a neighbor giving us a meal. Your provision might come through a stimulus check. Your provision might come through you putting it on the heart of another believer to go and drop off a bag of groceries. Your provision might come by someone just sensing from the Spirit that they want to pay that electric bill. Lord, your provision isn't always going to come with the $5,000 check. It's not always going to be provided financially, God. Lord, sometimes that provision comes from saying you won't have a medical bill anymore because I'm taking that illness away. You won't worry about where money's going to come from because I'm providing a new job for you. And Father, we hope and we pray that you help us to understand that it is your provision we need, not your money. Because so often, God, we, we become lovers of your money. We, we become worshipers of money and this unsettlingness because our faith is in our finances. But Lord, you didn't promise finances. You promised provision. I will provide for my people. So Lord, we pray for the provision of the saints, God. That our minds would not wander, that our faith would not waver because we're worried about how we're going to make ends meet, how we're going to pay a mortgage, how we're going to pay the rent, how we're going to figure things out, how we're going to provide for our children. Father God, the reality and the truth of the matter is those of us living in this country are so far away from genuine poverty. Lord, there are so many programs and provisions and things available. Lord, we don't really understand what that means. 
not in the way that so many other saints around this world do. And yet it's our reality. And so God, we come to you, not out of arrogance, but out of humility. Lord, would you provide for the areas that we're uncertain in? Would you provide for those moments? Lord, I pray for those who have lost their job in this last year because of the downward economy, because businesses are starting to crunch numbers. Lord, people who did well at their job but were simply casualties of the bottom line. Father, I pray, let their latter years be greater than their former years. Lord, that that be behind the scenes was you all along, God. Lord, that they know they would have never gotten to the next thing if they were still stuck in that one thing, God. Yes. And Lord, in the moment, it doesn't seem right. But over and over again, Lord, as we read your word, we see moments and opportunities that didn't seem well in that moment. But your word reminds us yes. that you work all things out for the good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, so that doesn't mean that it's all good. It just means that you and your wisdom and your strength and your ability and your love have a way of working it out. So God, we trust you with that, God. Yes. We trust you with that new job, Lord. We trust you with that provision. Lord, we even trust you with teaching us things in this moment. Lord, some of us lived in excess. Some of us lived in greed. Some of us were unwilling to provide for things. And Lord, you have taught us a hard lesson in this year. You have reminded us of things that don't matter. Lord, you reminded us that there are certain things that matter more than other things. Lord, we even thank you as a church. God, your wisdom led us to be consistent in our giving, to provide for our missionaries. And Lord, I strongly believe that we have been sustained through this year, first and foremost by your faithfulness, but also by listening to your spirit, God. Lord, we didn't allow the fear of finances to prevent us from being generous with what you've called us to do. So, Lord, I pray for a spirit of generosity, yes. even in the midst of poverty. God, I pray for a spirit of generosity like the church in Macedonia who begged for the opportunity to give to the Jerusalem even though they had nothing to give. What little they did, they gave freely. Because, Lord, we know when we release it that you open the windows of heaven and you pour out such a blessing that we will not be able to contain it. And that blessing doesn't always come with George Washington's face on it. But it comes according to your plans and your purposes. Yes, Lord. So Father, we trust you, God. And we ask you for those areas where we have trouble trusting you. Help us, Lord. Have mercy on us, Lord. We believe, but help us with our unbelief, God. Yes, Lord. Father God, that our pocketbook would be open to you, to trust you, to be led by you, God. Yes, Lord. And Lord, let this be another season that reminds us that things in this world can be eaten away by moth and rust, but our treasure in heaven is kept forever. So Lord, we thank you because you are Jehovah Jireh. Because by your very definition of your name, you will provide for those of us who are in need. Yes, Lord. And we give you praise and glory for that in advance of the provision. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever read something in the Word of God that just didn't seem to make sense to you? I mean, you, you read it and you, and you wonder, why is that in the Bible? Why did that happen? And tonight, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that I would venture to say 
all of us here in this room and those of us that are watching online, you probably have read this scripture many a times. It's carried in uh, the other gospels as well. Uh, Luke, especially, Luke carries it. But I want to hopefully, by the grace of God, approach this in a fresh and new light here today to help us learn something from God's word tonight. I'm reading from the Gospel of Matthew as we're continuing this journey in kingdom principles. I want to talk to you about a kingdom principle tonight uh, that you and I must understand if we are going to live a life that pleases God. Matthew chapter 4, the first 11 verses. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So now, Jesus, just prior to this, we read that he had been baptized by John the Baptist. And as he came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in a bodily form, in the form of a dove. And immediately after that, the Bible teaches us now that Jesus is led into the wilderness where there he's there for 40 days and 40 nights and he is tempted by the devil. Now, he, this is one of those scriptures that I'm talking about when I say uh, something that seems strange or odd. Have you ever looked at it from this perspective? Why does the Son of God need to be te tested? Why would Jesus, who is God in the flesh, be tempted? Why would he need to be tempted? He's God. What's the purpose of Jesus being tempted? We know Jesus wouldn't give in. He's God. So why is this in the Bible? Why is the King of kings and the Lord of lords uh, being tempted? What's the purpose of all of that? And what's the kingdom principle that we need to understand? What's the connection to us tonight? 
if you will allow me, I thought I would get very basic this, not, this evening with us in this wise, that I want to begin uh, by first outlining what temptation is. I don't want to assume that we all know. I want to just lay it all out so that we continue to stay together and flow with one another. So let's look at what temptation is. Here it is in a nutshell. Temptation is an enticement to do wrong. That's what temptation is, an enticement to do wrong. And if I could use, uh, help you look at and understand something, 1 John 5.17 says, all wrongdoing is sin. So, temptation is an enticement, a lure to sin. That's what temptation is. Now, here's the next thing we need to recognize. Everybody faces temptation. Every single one of us faces temptation. The temptation I face may be different than the temptation you face, but we all face temptation. Now, young Christians sometimes get confused in thinking that being tempted is a sin. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. You don't have to repent for being tempted. What we do with that temptation will determine whether we sin or not. You see, you can't stop temptation from coming your way. That is going to happen. Every single one of us will have to battle temptation. How we battle temptation, what we do with temptation, really is what determines whether we have, will cross the line, do wrong, or to be honest, and, and understanding today whether we're sin or not. So why was Jesus tempted? Let's put a couple of verses from the Bible together that will help us understand. Hebrews 2.18 says, because he, meaning Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So Jesus went through temptation, meaning he allowed himself to be tempted so that he could understand, he could identify with what you and I face when we are tempted. He can empathize. To empathize means I, I know what you are going through. I've been through what you're going through. See, I can identify with that. And so we know that right now, the Bible teaches that at this very moment, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding. He is praying for you and I. Now, because he can identify, he could also, and I say this reverently, intercede better. Listen, let's talk on a humanistic level, man, man to man, person to person, if I ask you to pray for me, 
regarding something very specific. Uh, let me use it, uh, my past. Uh, many of you know, my, in my past, at one point, I was a drug addict. I was addicted to heroin and then to methadone. And by the grace of God, he has set me free. But during that time, when I was uh, trying to stay free, I needed a lot of prayer. I was going through withdrawals, uh, and, and I was asking people to pray that God would help me to stay strong and not give in to the temptation to get high. And people would pray, and I thank God for that. But the ones who really prayed were ones who understood what I was dealing with. Former drug addicts that could say, I know what you're going through. I've been there before. You see, I can pray for you when I'm, you're going through something, but if I've never gone through what you're going through, I can't empathize to the measure that someone else could who's gone through the exact same thing. And so Jesus allowed himself to go through the temptation so he, in, sitting in heaven, saying, Carl, I've been there, Carlos. I know what you're going through. I know exactly how to pray for you. Would you say amen to that? That was a good place for you to say amen. You see, secondly, the reason why the Lord faced temptation was also to outline for you and I the pathway to, to have victory over temptation. Three times the Bible records that Jesus was tempted. That first temptation was Jesus had fasted for 40 days. He he was hungry. His body was craving physical nourishment. And the, de the temptation from the devil was, turn those stones to bread. In other words, don't wait for God to meet your need. Meet your own need. Do whatever you got to do to meet your own need. Don't trust in God to meet your need. Look out for yourself. And that's why Jesus responded the second one, the Bible outlines, was to test God. Where the devil said, well, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off. Essentially, he took him up onto the top of the temple, the, the roof of the temple, and said, throw yourself off. Because the Bible says, which isn't it something how the devil knows the word of God? We don't know the word of God often. We don't know what, uh, think about the importance of knowing God's word, but the devil knows how to, God's word, and he knows how to use it to try to trap us. And so Jesus responded and said, no, you don't test the Lord. You see, the first one is that trap, that temptation that we often face. Don't wait for God. Don't trust God. You got to go out and make something happen yourself. And this temptation is you do something foolish. You don't have to worry because God will protect you. God's got your back. So you can go ahead and do something crazy, something foolish. You see, many have tested God during this pandemic. Believing, I'm a child of God. I rebuke this thing. This thing is not going to touch me. And they have not done the things to take care of their socially dissing, wearing a mask, and then they wound up getting sick and wonder, where was God? They tested God. You see, now we think it's foolish to, to jump our, off of a roof and test God that way, but there are other areas where we literally do things that are foolish 
and believe that God's got our back, that God's going to make it work out for the good. And that's the temptation to test God. And this last temptation about the devil, say, everything that I have will be yours if you only bow down to worship. That's the temptation to make sure, make this all about your life, not God's. Make this about your kingdom, not God's kingdom. And every child of God faces that temptation to establish their own life their way rather to establish the purposes of God in their life. Three times Jesus was tempted and three times Jesus responded with the scriptures say, or depending on a translation, it is written. In other words, Jesus used the word of God to gain victory over temptation. The devil tried to use the word of God to trap Jesus into in a temptation in order to get him to sin. But Jesus used God's word to gain victory over temptation. And listen, the Bible says this in Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the sword of the spirit. No, in, in this armor that you and I are supposed to put on, this spiritual armor, this application that talks about the fact that we are in a spiritual warfare. We are ever engaged in a spiritual warfare. What's the warfare? Well, the first thing is the enemy is constantly going to tempt us to get us to do wrong, to sin. And so how do we combat it? Well, the only spiritual weapon outlined in Ephesians 6 is God's word. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing, come on, say nothing with me. Nothing can make them stumble. No temptation can trip us up when we love God's word. Now, it's important that we understand something about God's word. The sword of the spirit. You cannot wield what you do not love and believe. Let me say that one more time. You cannot love, wield the sword of the Spirit, if you do not love the sword of the Spirit, if you do not believe the sword of the Spirit, you have to love God's Word. We have to believe in God's Word in order to use it effectively to gain victory over temptation. And so the kingdom principle that I want to leave with all of us here tonight is this, loving, believing, and using God's word is the key to victory over temptation. Worship team, if you would come back up. If you remember, for those of you who were with us Sunday, we were talking about the importance of bearing fruit. That the, 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 the proof that we have, that, 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 that we are children of God, 
the evidence that must be in our life is that we are bearing fruit. It, it doesn't matter that we profess to be Christians if there is not a demonstration of the Spirit of God, the, the, the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then it doesn't matter that we profess we're Christian. We're not. We're not bearing fruit, and we are in danger of being judged by God. And you remember in John 15, Jesus said that if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you will bear much fruit. Well, if I could now piggyback off of that to help us see that tonight, God's word is not just the key for us bearing fruit, but it's also the key for us being victorious over temptation. Because everyone faces temptation. And by the way, because we all face temptation, just as a, a, a little side note, don't be so quick to judge your brother or your sister because of the temptation they go through. We're good at saying, how could you give in to that? Why? Because in that moment, we're looking at that temptation and saying, I wouldn't give in to that temptation. And so we put ourselves on this holy pedestal of saying, and look at our brother or sister and say, how could you give in to that? I would never give in to that. Well, that might be true, but there are things going on in your life that you'll give in to that that person would never give in to, right? So we should never judge one another because of a weakness to give in to our temptation. No, temptation is very real. That in and of itself is not sin, but how we respond to it will determine whether we sin or not. And if we want victory over temptation, then it's all about doing what Jesus did. He, bat he battled the enemy using God's word. It is written. This is what the scriptures say. And he loved the scriptures. He believed the scriptures. And therefore, he used the scriptures. Blessed be his wonderful name. Now, we're going to pray tonight. Like I said, there's no one here that has been purified and can say, I'm not tempted about anything anymore. None of us can ever say that. So we're all in this together, aren't we? And I know that you know the times that we falter and fail and give in to sin, we don't revert back to what does the scripture say regarding that situation, that moment. Sometimes, truthfully, because we don't want to. We have bought into the lure of that thing and we want that more than we want God's word and to honor God's word. May God help us tonight to do that. And we're going to pray, but I also want us to end in praying this way. As we are getting closer and closer to normalcy, we're not there yet. In fact, we got to pray that we don't give in to the temptation to, of impatience and begin to do things. We're almost there at the finish line, but we're not there yet. And there's that tendency to just slack off 
there's that given to that temptation and do wrong. But there's also this temptation that we've been in that place so long for a year now. I know for us we were open at one point, but then we shut down. But I'm talking about in, in general. I'm talking about the people of God who have been isolated so long that you will deal with the temptation to just say, you know what? I'm going to stay this way. I don't need to go back to church physically. I can stay at home. And why? Why? Oh, I've gotten used to this. I've gotten comfortable to this. And I want to pray tonight, God, help us as the people of God not to give in to that temptation, to settle and say, hey, we can do this and it'll be okay. We come before you tonight as the people of God. We understand why you went through temptation. Even though you're God, even though you had nothing to prove, you went through that so that you could empathize with our weaknesses, so that you can uh, deal with and understand how, how we feel when we face temptation, so that in the end, you can intercede on our behalf. And I thank you tonight that at this very hour, you are gathered around the throne of grace, interceding on behalf of all of your children, Lord praying that you, we would all be strong in the spirit praying that we would be victorious over temptation praying that we would fall in love with the word of God and that we would believe in what your word declares even tonight father we pray oh God that we might have a fresh new deeper love of your word that we would be a people of the word of God daily taking it in and not just reading it to read it but father genuinely believing in your word hiding it in our heart for the word declares even in the psalm your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you the psalmist also knew. I need God's word, that victory over temptation, so that I won't sin against the Lord, so that I won't do wrong. So I pray, Father, today for fresh faith in your word, a, a fresh ability, O oh God, to remember your word so that when we face temptation, we won't try to battle temptation with human effort. We won't try to battle temptation with some emotional story, but we will, like Jesus, say, it is written, the scriptures say. That will be our response. But the enemy has no reply to the word of God. So I pray that we would be a people that will know how to wield the sword of the Spirit, which will give us victory. And even tonight, Father, I pray a special prayer for the body of Christ. 
many areas are still just getting back to where they're uh, beginning to reopen. Many churches are, are dealing with reopening. Some have been reopened for months, and yet so many people are still not returned. And I, and I honor and respect some people who genuinely are concerned about the pandemic. And, and this is not a prayer against that, but God, you know all of our hearts. You know how quickly and easily we get comfortable and I don't want us, oh God, as the people of God, to get complacent and comfortable being at home, oh God, when we can go in, oh God, and, and gather with the family of God. I, God, I'm so grateful that we can begin to do that and we have begun to do that. The energy, oh God, the spiritual energy, the strength, oh God, the joy that we feel, oh God. It is so essential to our spiritual well-being. And so I pray that we will be victorious over the temptation to settle in and accept and miss out on the blessing you have when we gather together. May we, the people of God, also bow down our knee to the name that's above every other name and believe and trust you in all these things. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.